My name is Jeff Lerner, and I interview elite performers from a wide range of disciplines, entrepreneurs, athletes, celebrities, scientists, artists, and more. This is Unlock Your Potential. Hey there, Jeff Lerner here. Welcome to another episode of Unlock Your Potential. Uh, I'm excited to tee up for you a conversation I had a few days ago, actually, with a gentleman named Jason Fladlin. I'm a little late uh, recording the intro here, but that's okay. Nothing lost because it was such a great conversation and it has been ringing in my ears for the last few days. Um, if you're not familiar with Jason, he's uh, known in the market as the $100 million webinar man, which frankly, they need to update because he's actually generated over a quarter billion dollars with webinars. He is uh, widely regarded as one of the greatest webinar marketers, probably the greatest webinar marketer in the world. Um, I know a few other people that may quibble with that designation and, and want to vie for that title, but uh, he's, he's just a fantastic digital entrepreneur and uh, widely listened to and respected by some of the other best entrepreneurs in the world. Um, we had a really fantastic conversation. I think I'll, I'll just set up what I liked the most about it was that we really dug into the first principles that have allowed him to be so successful over uh, such a long period of time. And it's stuff that I think anybody who's either trying to grow a business or launch a business or even really just try to level up their lives, um, there was so much that is directly applicable uh, for, like I said, almost anyone. Um, he's uh, a really profoundly interesting person. He's a father, he's a husband, he's a former Hare Krishna monk, he's a former rapper, he hails from a small town in Iowa, he's self-made, he's a former house painter, uh, and I'm proud to say now he's, uh, he's a friend, a super, super cool guy, and we just hit it off. And we really went down the rabbit hole, kind of geeked out over the origins uh, and the, the historical evolution of marketing on the internet, uh, we were both there to see a lot of it, and I just am glad to connect you with this interview because there is so much value you're going to be able to get out of it and apply to your life. So without further ado, Jason Fladlin. All right. Welcome, Jason Fladlin, the $100 million webinar man. Welcome to Unlock Your Potential. How you doing, man? Doing better than good. Better than good. All right. I'll have, I'll have what you're having. <laughs> cool, man. Well, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, where are you coming in from? I'm in Los Angeles right now. It's been raining eight days straight. Raining eight days straight in Los Angeles. That's like really bad. Uh, that's not in the brochure for LA, right? We don't get rain for like five years and then we get eight days in a row. So who knows? So I know that, and, and I know, I, I guess for a little bit of background uh, before I hit record here and we, we started the episode, I was telling you that I am actually in the middle of my first 24 hours ever in the state of Iowa. I'm, uh, if you're seeing this on YouTube, you might think Je that's not Jeff's usual backdrop. I'm actually at my business partner's house who lives uh, outside Des Moines. This is my first day in Iowa. And it's, so it's coincidental that you're from Iowa. So why not, maybe that's a good place to start. How does a, an Iowa boy end up in LA? And did we tell that story? Well, I was paying California taxes. So I was like, I might as well move out here. Cause in 2011, I started a, a partnership, which became the company we run today called Rapid Crush Inc. And my business partner lived out here in California. So we, and all the, all the talent we had at the time, like the lawyers and the accountants, the financial advisor, they were all from California. So we said, makes more sense in the employees that we wanted to hire were from California. So like, it makes more sense to incorporate there, set it up. And I'm like, damn, I'm tired of paying California taxes and not enjoying California right. lifestyle. So in 2015, I moved out there from Iowa, but born in 83. So I lived a majority of my life thus far in Iowa, but for the last going on eight years now, 
uh, in California, I didn't know what I was missing, man. There's something to be said about living in a nice, robust location with weather that is generally more cooperative than it is recently. And mountains, man, which you don't see any of those in Iowa. Yeah, I'm looking out. My my buddy lives up on a hill, although he did have deer walking through his front yard earlier today. So you probably don't get that in L.A. Uh, we do out here in the valley, but again, okay. not like Iowa. And Iowa deer is a real deer. Out here, they're kind of a little skinnier. Yeah. Yeah, these were like, they were like halfway between deer and elk kind of looking things out here. Uh, okay, so uh, Rapid Crush, you said you started that business in 2011? Yep. Um, I mean, I feel like there's a there's a whole storyline here. I know a few things about you. Um, I, uh, I know that a lot of the people that I know and a lot of the circles that I run in, they sort, I mean, I don't know, plug your ears, don't let this go to your head, but they sort of like revere you as this, you know, almost like Dalai Lama-esque authority on marketing science and, you know, persu persuasion psychology. Uh, you have a book, One to Many. You've got some, I don't, I don't know where these records are kept, but you're at least, uh, the, the lore is that you have some actual like world records for like webinars and yep. product launches. I know that yep. you've uh, dominated multiple categories. Obviously, you're well known for the webinar science, but you've done uh, physical products. I think you've done Amazon stuff. Um, there's a lot here. So, yeah. so why don't you walk us back and and tell us how you became Jason Vladlin of today? Yeah, it started with a four dollar product. <laughs> so, it, oh, you said instead of four dollars, four dollars, man. It's 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 amazing. This is what people. They, they overestimate what they can do in a year and they underestimate what they can do in 10, as the, as the saying goes. Uh, I started in Iowa. I was painting houses for this guy and I was trying to make money online. And I, I, I got to interrupt and tell you, my business partner was a house painter in Iowa. So <laughs> it's still a cliche, it seems like at this point. Apparently. Right? Uh, there's not a lot to do and there's not a lot of opportunity. So you like paid houses basically, or you farmed. So that's what I was, I didn't want to farm. So I paid it houses and I was trying to make money online and I was article writing. Cause in 2007, that was the thing you would publish an article. E-Zine. E-Zine article, man. E you go to, you go to E-Zine articles, you'd publish in there an article, you put a little bio box back to your site, a link, and you'd get a lot of traffic that were, way. Were, were you making Squidoo lenses back there? Uh, yeah, that came later. But the okay. thing was, is Squidoo and, and Hub pages, none of those could could compare to one well-placed keyword-dense article and easy in articles. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of people were hiring that content out, as they should. A 400-word article would take the average person 20 to 30 minutes to write. And I had developed a little system. So I started writing for other people because I didn't want to paint houses. I wanted to at least work for myself. So I, I was still trading time for dollars, but at least I could do it on my terms. I had to deal with a, a, an a-hole of a boss and I didn't have to travel an hour or two a day in order to do it. And I could make a lot more money because what I discovered was it didn't matter how good I got at painting. I essentially got paid 12 bucks an hour. Well, it, was this interior or exterior painting? Because I feel like in Iowa, those are two very different work conditions. Yeah, so mostly, fortunately, it was interior. It's okay. funny because the day my life really totally changed was we had an exterior job, which is very, very rare, and it rained that day. And so we had worked 22 days straight painting houses, and it rained finally. God, thank you so much on the 23rd day. That was my breaking point. I went home, and I said, I'm going to throw up a little website so I can stop working over here and 
I build up a portfolio in a day of a whole bunch of different articles with an offer that says, hey, listen, I'll write articles for you for four bucks an article, which is ridiculously, stupidly low price. But uh, I had I had reckoned I could write four four dollar uh, articles in an hour, and I could make sixteen bucks an hour instead of twelve. In uh, prior to that, I was writing articles as an affiliate marketer, and so I was writing a bunch of articles trying to get affiliate commissions, and I wasn't doing very well there. So all my articles were on one topic. Uh, this is my cat Bernard, by the way. Uh, he just popped up. He wanted to say hi, but I was writing all my articles on one topic. I couldn't show that to potential clients. So I had that day that it rained, I went home, I wrote 10 articles on 10 different topics, put up a website. And then in order to get clients, I went to a, a forum called the Warrior Forum, the biggest internet marketing forum at the time, right? And I just answered questions. I had a little link and as a forum signature that says, hey, if you need articles written, check out my work, four bucks an article. And I got three clients by the end of those 24 hours. And within a week, I'd quit painting houses and I was in the business of writing articles. Um, I did that for six months and it became absolutely its own sort of hell, writing all the time on weird topics like buckwheat pillows and uh, plus size lingerie and microdermabrasion, topics like that. But I developed this really good system where I could just knock out articles quick, sometimes as fast as five, six, seven minutes. And they mm. were pretty decent articles. They were good enough for SEO food, at least, which right. is what all these things were designed for. So I, I decided to bundle up and package and sell an ebook on my article writing system. And that's when I launched the book, sold the book for $4 on the Warrior form. You take out these little $20 ads at the time and run these Warrior special offers, what they call WSOs. And dude, I got, I don't know what it was, but Jeff, I... I just hit everything perfectly without even thinking about it. It just it just came together because I, I tried to write this product for like a dozen times and never could get it done. And then one day I just said, I'm going to write it in one sitting. So when I sit down, I'm going to start. And when I get up, I'm done. And so I just blitzed out like a little six page, seven page PDF, something along those lines, typo in the first sentence. I didn't even catch it, went out there and sold the product. And here's what I did not expect to happen that did is... People bought that product, they read the thing in like 10 minutes, they applied it immediately, and here they are 20 minutes later, haven't gotten more than their money's back in terms of the value of the product. And this is social media 1.0, this is before Facebook and all this stuff, they'd go into the forum because the sales letter was posted as a forum post. There wasn't a website, none of this stuff. And they would reply to the sales letter saying, this is awesome, this is amazing. And the social proof was out of this world. Uh, And so I sold a whole bunch of product really quickly. And I said, wow, I've discovered a massive secret. If I could just find stuff that people are doing and they're slow at it and I can get them to be a little bit faster and I can sell a a cheap product that I could take a couple hours to create, I'm going to be rich. And so I did that for the next year. For one year straight, I just looked at what I call these one, 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 one problem, one solution, one sitting type of products. Uh, and I started charging like seven bucks and then 17, getting a little bit braver, charging 27 or 37. And then after a year, I had developed these really good skill sets uh, that then I could start to combine together and really go up from there. But that first year, man, that's what switched it all on for me. So you started in 2007. Yep. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm cross-referencing 
we're we're like a couple of old geezers sitting around at like the the Elks Lodge or you know the the VFW building talking about back in the day. I mean, in internet oh, yeah. marketing years, we're both pretty old, right? I yeah, about 160 in internet marketing years. I figure I figure that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I started in 2008, and and I got involved in an affiliate marketing platform. You may have actually seen it back in the day. It was called Carbon Copy Pro. Yep. Uh huh. And so at Pro, you know, they would teach you how to go on like Warrior Forum, or they would teach you, they sort of tried to like consolidate all the different techniques at the time, right? So they taught Squidoo lenses, they taught Ezine articles, they taught forum marketing, which like you said, you just, and, and this, you know, it's funny, like this stuff to some degree still works. I mean, it's, it's, there's like variations on the theme, but like you talk about having your link in your, you know, in your, what, what do you call it? Your, yeah, it's a signature. Your signature of your profile that you use when you register for the forum where you leave the comments and you just go in and you give real value. You actually answer questions and, and you don't try to front, you, you know, and, but then in your sick, people go, hey, this guy gave an articulate answer and he took the time. I wonder who he is. Oh, he does a thing. Let me click the link and maybe I could benefit from that thing. And like that's that's so that's still social media marketing. Like you said, it's just 2.0, 3.0 now. It's just the equivalent of DM me for more details. Only at the time, there nobody even said the letters DM together. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. That's so crazy. Yeah. So, so our, I mean, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if our platform didn't have training pulled from your products that was, you know, repurposed into our platform because they were teaching a, a pretty broad set of stuff. So, okay. I mean, I, I can visualize that world. Uh, where, where'd you go from there? What was the kind of the, the series of stepping stones for you? Yeah. So what was really cool was I was creating all these products and then I saw webinars start to percolate. Now, webinars weren't new per se in 2008, but they essentially were, if you factor in that most people's internet connections prior to them couldn't support a webinar. Right. And the platforms that allowed you to do webinars were so unstable it was it was too much of a risk. Yeah. Um, and so I just kept waiting. So I'm like, I think the webinar is going to be the next big thing. And I was watching these guys do teleseminars that were just selling the lights out, like an Armin Moran and a Alex Mandosian. Oh, yeah. And oh, these yeah. guys were killing it. But I figured like a teleseminar was a stepping stone to what a webinar would become. And I'm like, I'm not going to master teleseminar. Now, how did you how did you have that insight? A teleseminar. That's, you know, I have some prescience there. I wish I knew how I knew. I just did. It was, to me, it just seemed like the logical conclusion that the internet was moving towards this thing where, you know, I've always, and this is a bias of mine, is I've always been so heavily into education and information and learning. Uh, I've always been excited and captivated by content that transforms. Uh, not just merely informs, but transforms. So my whole life, I sought out and wanting to learn, and I, I read hundreds of books when I was a kid. And so I was always biased to where is the most amount of information value being transferable. In forums, there was a lot of value there, but there was a lot of noise. Uh, there was no necessarily video site at the time. I mean, YouTube was created in 2005, but it was still nothing at that point in time. And again, it... it uh, people didn't know what to do with the media. Yeah. Uh, I did know seminars. That was obviously valuable. Uh, people speaking from stage was obviously valued. The teleseminars were obviously valuable uh, in the programs. So at the time, there was a lot of video products that were being published as programs. So to me, it just made logical sense that 
we could front load the value as part of the sales process. And whatever they could do on seminars, we could do as good, if not better, a lot better on webinars. So I just knew that I just had this feeling about it. And I knew it wasn't right to do it immediately. I knew I had to wait to that, that perfect point in time where it was just enough where the stability of the technology was yeah. there and, and, and the ability to have users feel comfortable enough to try it out. Um, so here's what I did, Jeff, which is, again, it, it's brilliant looking back, but none of this was calculated. This wasn't me being like a grandmaster thinking five moves ahead. This was just me trying to engineer innovative ways to provide value to my marketplace ahead of asking for money. Um, and I, I said to the, uh, my email list, which is all buyers at the time, pretty much of these low ticket products, I said, Hey, I got this new product I want to teach or I want to create. Uh, and it's specifically time management for internet marketers, not a very catchy title, but people were wanting to know my customers like Jason, you're super productive. You get stuff done. What are your, what are your techniques? And I said, instead of just packaging this product up and selling it, like I normally do, I'm going to try something new out. There's this thing called a webinar. And if you will indulge me. If you come to this webinar where I, where I attempt to teach this new thing in this new media, I'll give you the recording of it for free. If you mm -hmm. don't come to this webinar, then you're going to buy it later for $37. So, so it was essentially an invitation that says, if you'll allow me to experiment on you, you be my guinea pig. In return, I'll give you the product. I don't know if it'll be good or not. I don't know if this thing will be a train wreck or if it'll be the next best thing. But if you're willing to indulge me, come here and let's figure it out. Um, now, I anticipated, Jeff, a whole bunch of people showing up. Hardly anybody showed up. Uh, not that many people showed up. And this was, what year was this? 2008. 2008. And this, so that was pre-GoToWebinar. So what, uh, and this was actually at the very beginning because I used GoToWebinar. Uh, this was right when GoToWebinar. Because when I came in and I, I started marketing November 2008, and I remember using GoToWebinar in 2009, but it was like brand new. So it must have been really brand new when you got it. It was really brand new, and okay. it still was pretty buggy at the time, but, yeah. but it wasn't bad. And I had a mind map. That's what I used for that training. And I had set out, and I thought, this is about an hour and a half materials, what I assumed from the mind map. Turned out, to, I went four and a half hours. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the people that were there, all 50 of them, thought it was like amazing. And the testimonials unsolicited that, that, that rolled in were just incredible. And everybody was over the moon. And I said, there's something to this. And what was really cool is I've cycled it back to my own list. I said, Hey, listen, you missed out on it. This is what happened. It was better than we all imagined. I'm going to give you a second chance. I said, I'd sell this for $37. If you act in the next 24 hours, I'll give it to you for $27, something like that. Right. right. Um, and at the time, highest converting promotion I'd ever had. So I thought, huh, there's some value to this. Uh, and, and, and here's a mistake I think people make with webinars, Jeff. They jump immediately to like the, the major league version of a webinar, which is you sell product at the end of it. You, you orchestrate a whole presentation that first creates a paradigm shift, blows somebody's mind, and then you ask them to buy your product. That's like the highest level of sophistication. Usually for like one to two K. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so so they are playing at the big leagues, and and right. that makes sense because that's what you see really successful webinar presenters do. But most of us, we cut our teeth, we we, yeah. we crawled before we walked, we walked before we ran. Uh, and so in this particular case, it was free if you attended, it was paid if you didn't attend. It was a low risk way for me to try out a new media, work out the kinks, and be solely focused on one aspect of what a webinar is, a sales webinar, 
which is the content portion without doing any of the sales. So I could really focus on that. Uh, and it went great. So then the next evolution of that is I went back to the audience and I said, hey, listen, that worked out really good. And then I took a product that I sold at the time uh, previously. It was called Three Hour Ad. It was essentially how to create good enough sales copy in three hours or less. So I didn't teach you how to be a world-class copywriter. I just showed you how to get it done efficiently and quickly, which at the time was revolutionary in the market because you either were going to learn how to be the best copywriter in the world by really top-level copywriters who all they did was write copy day and night. But I had seen on the internet that there's a lot of people, copy was just one function of a bigger picture and there was nothing that served and, and helped them out. So I created a product yeah. and it was like a $17 product, right? So I, but people kept asking me, Jason, can you go in more in depth on this thing? Can you show more examples of that thing? On and on and on. So I said, listen, I'm going to take this product over here. Most of you have already bought it. And I'm going to now attempt to train it through a series of webinars. I called it an E-class at the time because we didn't have a name for it. Nobody had a name for it. Um, and so the thing was like an eight step process. So I broke it down into eight weeks. I, and the pitch was, I didn't sell this on a webinar. I sold this on a written sales letter. I said, listen, if you want to buy this thing over here, it's $200. I'm only going to take on a limited number of people. I can't remember how many at this time. It was a small amount though. And I'm going to teach you this concept in eight webinars over eight weeks. And that worked really well. We sold that class out. I say we, it was just me at the time. I'm used to saying we now, but back then I had no staff. It was just me. Uh, and I then got to experience eight sessions, about two hours a piece, 16 additional hours of training via webinars. Uh, and it was only after I had put in my dues, first with a four-hour product, second with a 16-hour product that I thought, hmm, let me sell via the webinar now. And when I did, I was still selling these e-classes. So I took another product, turned it into an e-class. If it was six steps, I would teach it in six sessions, one step per session. And think about this. You do a webinar, and then the sales pitch is a series of more webinars. It's the easiest thing in the world to sell. Did you like this one thing I gave you for free? Would you like six more where we go very in-depth on these topics? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, go here and sign up. And so, so again, see the degrees of this. When I did start selling on webinars, it was a laydown. So even that portion was really easy, uh, and that's where I really started to develop my my webinar techniques. So, I mean, you know, the the sort of the backstory of this show is it's it's my quest to find those singular unifying principles of of great you know, outlier success stories, right? And a lot of entrepreneurs, doesn't really matter though. I, I believe that there are some sort of fundamentals that create that that life less ordinary that a few of us achieve and most people want, right? And that's why I do this. I, I interview people like you and it's like, I'm looking for the commonalities. I mean, I mean the, you know, everybody's idi got an idiosyncrasy to their story and that's what makes makes us interesting, but it's actually the things we all have in common that are like what I'm looking for. And I'm, I'm already hearing some, right? So first of all, uh, you know, respect to the world of, of house painters out there, you don't sound like a typical house painter. You said like, I've always been obsessed with information, the transference of information. I read tons of books and, you know, to be fair, I don't know all that, the painters in the world, maybe they're all like that, but, um, you know, that's one thing I'll say de facto prerequisite for great success. Uh, you know, I, I find it in every person I speak to this obsession with not just learning, but learning how to learn. So there's like a a calculus to it of like, I don't want to just learn. I want to learn how to be even better at learning. It's kind of almost like an obsessive quality to it. Secondly, 
playing the long game. I'm hearing that, and, and to be, you know, from what I remember of that time, it was all the fashion. Like John Reese did his million dollar, I think he did the first million dollar launch yep. in 2004, 2006, somewhere, like it was a, a year or two before you. Yep. And and Kern was doing huge stuff and Dice was doing huge stuff and uh, John Carlton had done crazy, like there were these, like the, the, the apocryphal lore of that generation, that early generation of internet marketers really glorified the big home run hits. Yeah. So for you to have the patience to say, I'm not trying to hit a home run out of the gate because that was what everybody was obsessed with. And where do you think you got that sort of instinctive discipline to play the long game at a time when everybody was acting like this was the new gold rush and, you're, and the goal was to strike it rich fast? Uh, I just, I knew I didn't have the skills yet mm. to play at that level. So I need- what, a, what a profound, revealing, humble, and sadly rare thing to say. I knew I didn't have the skills, which meant I didn't qualify for the payoff. Thank you for yeah. saying you know, it, marketing is dangerous <laughs> because, uh, you know, you want to be an international bestseller. You could write a book that's blank in it, sell it to your friend in Canada, and all of a sudden and you pick a category that's obscure enough, and now you're an international bestseller. Uh, you could write a book literally on this. You could title it, This Book Sucks. You get to be one page long. The page says, yes, it sucks on the inside of it. Call your mom when she's in Canada, have her buy it over there, and you are now an international bestseller if you pick the most obscure category on Amazon to place the book in. Uh, and that's true, but it's not true at the same time. And so in marketing, there's a way if you mimic and you act and you walk and you quack like a duck uh, and you follow the process and essentially copy what everybody else is doing for, for a short period of time, you might be able to get a whole bunch of money that comes to you. But Easy come, easy go. And secondly, it's it just doesn't feel right to me to focus too much on the perception and not enough on the actuality, too much on the packaging, not enough of what's inside of the package. So, so to your point, I knew I wasn't capable enough to run a multi-million dollar business with the responsibilities attached to that to take care of and serve clients. And so I wanted to stretch myself, not too thin too soon. I wanted to stretch because that's how you grow. But if you stretch a rubber band too far, it breaks and it doesn't function anymore. And so, yeah, I wanted to keep cultivating the skills. And so I needed to be good at the delivery of the thing that I was selling. And I was neither a level of selling that I thought was uh, sufficient yet, nor did I feel like I was good at the delivery of the thing yet to be at that point where I could charge $2,000 and sell uh, you know, 2,000 people. I'll tell you one more thing too, Jeff, is I didn't want to play the game the way other people were playing it. Uh, and this is true in most industries, not just in the internet marketing industry at, at that time, but that it was a good old boys club. Mm -hmm. So if you played by their rules, they would allow you in the inner circle. They could anoint and endorse you, but there was certain expectations of reciprocation. And I didn't want to be in a position where I'd have to endorse somebody else whose product I didn't believe in, even if it was a good product. If I just didn't feel like it made sense for my audience to to be introduced to it, I wasn't going to do it. And and so I didn't want to play by these rules. I wanted to create my own my own rules. So that meant I had to put yeah. in, I had to I had to break a lot more trail, which is hard. Yeah, right? I'm full of arrows, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, and and I mean, I just want to acknowledge because you're right. I mean, in that era, 
the formula was to get in that club so that you could get some of those names I dropped and many others to to mail for you because they all had million person or 100,000 person, you know, six, seven figure email lists. And if they all mailed for you, you literally could be a millionaire overnight. Yep. And then everybody that they mailed when they bought their product or they opted into your capture page, now they ended up on your list. Yep. You're part of the same sort of incestuous swarm. And then the, like you said, they expect that when they roll out a product, you're going to mail for them. And and I, it's so funny you're saying this, man, because I remember I was just late enough to the game that that club had already sort of established itself. Yep. And I was like, I feel like I could probably figure out the right ass to kiss or do the whatever the, the, the rush, you know, whatever the hazing ritual is, I could probably get into this club. But it just seems like they're all just passing customers back and forth. And the fact that there's a few million of them means like they'll be rich for a few years. But like you said, um, to build something. But again, you seem to have like a, a preternatural sense of the long game. And you resisted a lot of the temptation that was in the air at that time. And another thing I want to point out, again, from kind of a first principle standpoint in what you said is... Um, you know, I, I think, uh, I don't remember who said it. I think it might've been Hormozy who said something, and it was kind of flippant, but he said like, oh, well, yeah, marketing is what you have to do if your product isn't good enough. <laughs> but like, if you have an amazing product, it's like your $4 book where you're just like, all I did was make a post and 20 minutes later, the product was so good. People were commenting on the post about how good it was. Like you didn't actively have to market that product. You just had to deliver a great product. And then you've already emphasized the... The, the 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 requirement to actually take care of the customer now yeah it can't it can't be overstated like that was a novel idea back because now like amazon and platform like now when you get all this crowdsourced feedback that forces you to take care of the customer or else you get a bad reputation but back then it was the wild west nobody nobody knew if you dropped the ball you could you know at least not in the immediate yeah, it was it was a very interesting and by the way it was a lot harder for a lot less money too cuz these days you couldn't build a consortium like they did back then because right. back then it was really hard to get traffic. You couldn't buy traffic from anywhere except for Google. And Google had these archaic rules that wouldn't allow you to play unless you were essentially a corporate type of business. Mm -hmm. uh, and so so the, the these there was gatekeepers uh, and those gatekeepers controlled a lot of the flow of traffic. These days, you don't even need them because you can right. get more traffic than ever, easier than ever in the sense of you're more in control of it. Now, does it cost more? Is there more technical aspects of it? Of course there are, so on and so forth. But there's also about a thousand times more buyers these days sure. than there was in 2007 as well. So there's more competition, but there's even more demand for products and people that want to purchase them. And there's more varieties of ways in which you could reach those customers. But yeah, back then, not only were were there less ways for you to be exposed if you didn't bring it? Uh, but also at the same time, the consumers were not very sophisticated in the media. So the big advantage that marketers had over them was they knew enough to be dangerous. So they were they weren't selling secrets so much as they were selling information that was just hard for people to find. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean the information was great. It was just scarce as a precious resource. But these days you go to YouTube, you listen to podcasts like these, the information's easy to find. Now the real question is how do you apply the information? This is why guys like me, I can still make a pretty damn good living. And I've made more money uh, in the last two years than I did in the previous six years. 
Uh, and that's because not only is the information valuable, but how to apply the information that separates the people that do good from the people that do great, in my opinion. Uh, I'll tell you one more thing, Jeff, that I found was interesting is none of those guys liked or wanted to do webinars back then with rare exception. Most of it anointed crowd. And I and I understand why. Part of the reason was is because you work so hard to master one media. It's like you don't want to do that again, man. It takes six years or eight years. You have more gray hairs than you had hair when you started and you're exhausted. And now you don't have to work that hard and you can make a lot of money. So who the hell wants to learn another skill set? And so a lot of those guys, they they get up to a certain point and then they crash down. Yeah. And so I was doing webinars and none of those guys, it didn't fit in their model, so they wouldn't want to promote it anyway. Uh, and a lot of those guys would discourage and look down at the webinar and frown upon it. And I thought, great, that's, that's more for me. Um, they didn't want to necessarily be live in front of customers. Right. And I'm not singling out any name you specifically mentioned, but in general, if you're not good in front of customers, you will be exposed if you get in front of customers. <laughs> so it makes sense that you have to orchestrate and script and produce and choreograph things if that's not your skill set to be strong in front of customers. But I always felt, man, if I, go, if I get good in front of customers, why wouldn't I demonstrate that live in front of customers as a capability that I have? Uh, it's like, that's the best marketing you can do. You show mm -hmm. somebody in advance that you can take care of them and then you ask them to give you money so you can take care of them even more. And so the webinar to me was really exciting to learn how to master that. And, and that's how I made my own way. Took a little bit longer, but the skills that I developed, I think are more valuable as a result of that. And, you know, that's where I went. So, so I broke through on, on the webinar. So I started making money. But here's the, here's the game changer of all game changers for me, Jeff, is I'm on webinars now, it's 2009, and I noticed something one day. I noticed that I get to the end of the slides, and I'm like 90 minutes into the webinar. I'm out of pre prepared material, mm -hmm. but there's still people on. Um, and maybe not a lot, maybe 50 or 60 or 70, but some of them are still active in the chat. So one day I, I just, I thought, I thought, you know what? I think I was selling like a $500 product at the time, maybe even less. Uh, I said, you know, if I could go for one hour and make just one sale, that would be 500 bucks an hour. Yeah. And at the yeah. time, 500 bucks an hour is pretty good for me. So I said, okay, let's see what happens. So I go for an hour with just like six or seven people in the chat being active, asking, asking me questions. I'm answering it. I'm saying, what can I do? See if I can determine if they would buy or not buy. Um, and I sold two. So I was like, nice. And there's still like 40 people on. I said, could I go another hour? And I did. And I sold another person. And I said, man, I just made like the equivalent of 200, 300 bucks an hour here. And to me, that was the end of it. I was like, I'll just do that. It's a nice way to make a couple extra hundred bucks here, a couple hundred bucks there. I mean, if I'm making $500 extra per week and I'm doing one webinar per week, that's $26,000 of extra money per year. That's ridiculous. So that's as right. far as my mind went at the time. Here's what I didn't realize is I all of a sudden started putting in all these hours and that's when I really developed technique that I never would have otherwise developed because, you know, if I do two extra hours a week, that's a hundred extra hours of live in the flesh, sell it or not sell it experience. And after a while you get bored saying the same stuff over and over again, the same, you know, 
uh, price objection closes, the same uh, lack of time closes, the same belief closes. So you just start making stuff up just to see, okay, if I said something outlandish like this, mm -hmm. what would happen? And all of my best closes came out of the boredom of trying to invent new ways to reach somebody because I got tired of saying the same old, same old. Uh, and, and, and I also, so that was benefit number one. So most of the techniques that I've developed and pioneered that a lot of smart marketers use today came from those sessions with 30, 40 people on the line going for hours and hours, seeing what I could close or if I could close. Right. Uh, and then the second thing that happened was I started to really understand my market. Cause I will tell you, people don't really tell you what's stopping them. They don't really tell you what scares them. They don't tell you really what their fears and desperations are until you break through a facade. Uh, and that facade is when you hang in there longer than the next person will hang in. That's when they start to really open up to you. And, and those things that they tell you that they dare not tell anybody else, that's when you really start to learn and understand your customer and you understand the market. And that's when you can really start to develop deeper level communication, deeper level solutions that intelligence that you gain that can only be won by hanging in there longer than anybody else hangs in there. That's what I got. And so that's what happened. That was all of those were the prerequisite for what later became some of the legendary records that I've set in this space was right there yeah. for a year straight, just pounding it out for hours and hours and hours on a webinar. Man. Okay. So I, I, and and I just got to say, because I mean, for if, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, and, and you know, uh, this show has a very uh, young, I mean, we have all kinds of audience members, but a, a preponderance of our audience is like younger entrepreneurs a lot because my education platform draws a lot of people that are like just getting started. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, why are these guys talking about how it was 14 years ago, right? Yeah, it's because the reality is a lot of the name, a lot, if I had this show 14 years ago, a lot of the people I would have been interviewing back then, they're not around anymore. They're not people that are breaking records. You know, they, they, and, and, you know, they live probably very nice lives and they're comfortable and whatever, but like there's a, the, when you find people that have staying power, it's because there are principles at work that will adapt and evolve through whatever happens in the market. As long as it's a market of human beings, the principles will apply, right? right. And so that's why that's what I'm digging for here is these principles. And and again, to the to the product, to the value of the product, uh, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people get hung up on is they think there's this whole imposter syndrome, right? Which, uh, by the way, one of my my really good friends always says the, the most brilliant thing I've heard about imposter syndrome, which is imposters don't actually have imposter syndrome because they don't care enough. <laughs> so if you have it, that's your out. You know, you, you know, you're not. But uh, but, you know, I think people think like, well, I don't have the expertise or I'm not the world's foremost authority on whatever. And I think what you're touching on is people don't buy whatever, because they believe that you are the single best practitioner or purveyor in the world of whatever that thing is. Frankly, most people think I probably couldn't afford to get help from the best in the world at whatever the thing is. Yep. They want to get help from the person that they think cares the most about actually helping them. And when yep. you hang out on a webinar for four hours, just yeah. talking to people, they go, dang, this guy really cares. Bingo. I mean, in you know, a couple of things where you said that, that I think was interesting. One is if you're the best in the world, 
uh, try teaching a little kid how to, like, if you're the a chess master, right. you're a top grandmaster in chess, you're going to suck as a coach to somebody who's just beginning to learn how to, to play chess. You're too far removed. In fact, the best is a disadvantage in that scenario. Uh, you wouldn't want to hire the best even if they were free and even if you could afford them. Uh, and you're right. People will invest in people they care about. Now, here's some things I've learned about the consumers, which are obvious when I say them, but are unobvious to people who are starting out in this business or even to people that's been a a around for a while. You look at a person that's on your webinar, if you could look into their bank account and you could see all the purchases that they've made in the last couple of months, you would see that you are not the only one. <laughs> they are not monogamous towards vendors. They will buy seven or eight or nine solutions related to what they're trying to solve. And if only one of the nine work out, they'll be super duper happy. So the person that has these crippling panic attacks and they can't get over them, they're not just going to say sequentially, I'm going to buy one person's thing, try it out for a month. And if that doesn't work, I'll buy another one, right? They'll buy six all at once. They won't even open three. Uh, they'll go through two kind of halfway. And then one of them, maybe they'll complete. And they're just looking for a way to improve themselves. And for most instances, they're going to buy everything that they possibly can. They'll buy a lot of low ticket stuff. They'll buy some mid ticket stuff. And if they're really serious, they'll buy one or two high ticket things. And so you just have to be able to communicate to that customer that you're worth taking a risk on. That, you know, if it fails, there's almost no downside. And if it succeeds, there's upside. And even if it's a small amount of upside, if there's no risk involved, why wouldn't they want to do business with you? So you got to focus on creating that 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 value proposition. And then you have to allow that person to feel safe enough to entrust you with their time and with their money. That's all you got to do to make it so. Uh, simple. Yeah. Easy. Nah. Uh, you know, because then, then we start to build in all the head stuff around this stuff too, Jeff. It's like, well, if a customer doesn't buy my product, that's a rejection against me. And that's a that's an incrimination of my self-worth and therefore my ego suffers as a result. It's like, yeah, if I thought that way, I couldn't do anything either. <laughs> oh, so, okay. So, so right there, I feel like you just, you just ventured into the, the most lugubrious, but also like rich and fertile waters of, of what I believe the entrepreneurial conversation is really about, which is, and this is why I basically started Entra. I mean, anybody that knows me and knows my education platform, you know, like we do stuff kind of a weird way. It's not because I think, I mean, there's already 34 million business owners just in the United States. I think as a technical matter, like we don't actually need more businesses in this country <laughs> or, or in the world, like whatever that number is for the globe. I don't think we need more businesses, but, but entrepreneurship and or entrepreneurialism, which I make a distinction. One is a, is a doing, one is a being, is the most healing, growth-promoting, developmentally essential crucible a person can place themselves into if they allow it to, to have the impact on it that they can. I, I, I believe, and I've tried a lot of different modalities for growth and nothing has grown me like entrepreneurship, right? And so I love that you're getting into the, the identity, the ego psychology, uh, of of entrepreneurship and how that really is, and and I'm I'm sort of reading into what you said, so I want to double click on this and make sure we're really on the same page here. I feel like 
I'm sensing that you, you're sort of aligned with me on this and that, and that what you've really developed, and I've read some of your stuff and, and, and heard you, you know, your trainings and stuff. So I, I kind of know I'm going in the right, right direction here, but that like, it's about what it forces, who it forces you to become mm. is ultimately what determines your success. Yeah. It plays a large part. I think now the challenge really in this business is the psychological limitation is so people are afraid. And I was afraid, dude. Uh, why do you think I priced a product at $4 right. when I first launched it? Because I was scared out of my mind that I didn't want to overcharge anybody. Uh, I didn't want people to be upset at me and I didn't want people to call me names and criticize me. Uh, and I urge more people to play along that way. See, the, the traditional wisdom back then, and it still persists to these days, is that if you charge a little amount of money, then people won't pay attention to you. They will devalue you, et cetera, et cetera. These are often said by people who want to keep prices high because they benefit if their competition also prices high. It's a, it's a version of price fixing, if you will. Uh, mm -hmm. So I like- It's a pretty clever one, by the way. It's super clever because it's totally <laughs> legal. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, let's just validate the idea. Uh, we did a $57. million launch uh, in 2021 that bled into 2022, but in six months, 226 days, we went from an idea on a brand new product that didn't exist to $57.9 million in sales. And we launched that the same way we launched all products. Was that an info product? It was an info product. It was a course, essentially. So no physical cost of goods, no shipping, no manufacturing. That's, I mean, I don't know your margins, but they're pretty good. They're pretty damn good. Uh, they are insanely good. So the thing though, is we first launch it in a minimum viable product fashion or what I call the brown paper bag. So this is the clothes. I use it on the webinar all the time. I said, if I had the Mona Lisa and we were in a warehouse and I slid it across the table to you in a brown paper bag, it's still the Mona Lisa. Yeah. It's not hanging up in the museum. Not No, there's not all these fancy staged lights and all this pomp surrounding it, but it's still the Mona Lisa. And so when we launched that course initially, we launched it and we didn't have a members area that was pretty. We didn't have a logo. I'll take you a step further, Jeff. We didn't even have a name for the product at the time. We didn't have a name for it. But we realized what we thought was the value of it, that we wanted to test it to see if it was truly valuable or not. Uh, we wanted to get it in people's hands as fast as possible and find out. Because if, if it wasn't any good, good to know right away. Right. Uh, if it was unbelievably good, then we are not doing anybody a favor by delaying its entry into the marketplace. And if it was mediocre or so-so, that's good to know because we could go back to the drawing board, make some adjustments and try it again. So when we originally sold it, we we're like, we don't know how many sessions it'll be. Uh, we're not sure exactly what the structure of the curriculum is going to be. We don't even know. We might have to do sessions more than once just to get it right. But everybody was on board with that. Uh, and everybody, enough people, at least for proof of concept, were willing to say yes to that. And and that's how I've structured almost all of my successful launches was with these uh, easy speed to market types of tests at a small scale with people that are fully wide eyed open. They know exactly what they're getting into and they're willing to try it out to see what it would happen if they did. So every time it's a version of what's the fastest we can get the essence of the product to the marketplace. What's the fastest we can get our Mona Lisa in front of customers? No, we don't have a frame for it yet. No, we don't have a, we don't have a guaranteed buyer of it. That's going to hang it in the museum. We don't have any of that, but we have something we think is life-changing. Let me put it in front of somebody. So if somebody's spending 30 minutes to write an article and I can get them down to 15 minutes the first time they try it out and they write 100 articles, I have just saved them 
1,500 minutes off of their life. And you tell me, do you think a person who's now just saved 25 hours off of their life, do you think they really care too much what the logo looks like or what the members area feels like, or even if there was a typo in the damn sentence of the product, or are they just happy that you got it to them today? And so instead of them waiting six months and losing a hundred hours off of their life while you twiddled your thumbs, making it just right before you launched it, they, they would rather you get it to them today so they can use it in its form of whatever it's at, it's at than tomorrow in a perfect form. And that's how you validate ideas. You put it in front of people and you see what happens. So at first, make it as low risk as you possibly can and make it so you can get it to the market as quickly as you can. So the first time I did this, it was four bucks. Dude, I didn't even know how to write a sales letter when I first started to do this thing. If you want to think about it, A, you got to be an expert at something. B, you got to create an information product out of it, which is a separate set of expertise. And then C, you got to sell it, which is a separate set of expertise. And then D, you got to get traffic to it which is yet another separate set of expertise. When you put it that way, Jason, I don't know how anybody makes any money, right? <laughs> so how do we minimize all of those massive demands? Well, the way I said it, the first product I ever said is I said, I'm confident that the first time you put this product to use, it will cut your article time in half. And you only have to spend $4 to find out. And even though it's only $4, if you don't like it, I'll give you your four bucks back. Here's what it's about. And then I gave you like five or six bullet points of what was in the product. And then I said, if that sounds good to you, buy it here. It was the dumbest, simplest, stupidest ad that's ever been written, but it worked. And that was what it needed to be in order for me to launch it. Later on, you get more sophisticated. You level up your competencies. You, you move from conscious competent to unconscious competent, and then you can build upon it. But I'm telling you, man, when you're first starting out, I don't care who's listening. If you are willing to research a topic for 16 hours that anybody in the world could do the same amount of research. Mm -hmm. But if you do it and you charge $10 for the conclusion of that research, a majority of people would rather, uh, would rather farm out the research to you and give you $10 and save 16 hours. So even if the information is available, even if it's not groundbreaking, just the fact that it needs to be put into a structure in a framework that's easy to consume, that's your value. Now, you would never do that if you could only sell that to one person because 16 hours for 10 bucks, not a good use of your time. But if you can sell it to a thousand people, 16 hours of effort for $10,000 of potential market, that's a good deal. And then you can scale it up. So remember when I said I, I created a product and then I created a webinar version of it, I took a $17 product and took it and turned it into a $2,000 product. From that $2,000 product, I had clients pay me $20,000 to have done for you's and things like that. And you keep trading up. So anybody listening here is, is that is, you got to start where you start. And that's the psychological limitation because here's what mm -hmm. most people, and it's happening to me right now. I laugh because I'm not immune to this. Uh, I, I did this $57 million launch and I, we, we did the affiliate record too, which was $9.8 million in eight days. We did that back in 2015. Uh, yet to be broken. I was pissed that my affiliates didn't break it when we did the launch. Um, but I'm now going out into social media. Jeff, I didn't have a social media. I didn't have any presence on social media for the last six years. Um, and now I'm trying to do that, trying to build a YouTube channel, trying to build an yeah. Instagram, Twitter. And I am terrible at it, like uh, compared to the pros. Right. 
And, and I catch myself, I got, I'm like, dude, I got to stop comparing to the people that have put in 10,000 hours. Uh, I got to compare myself to where I was when I started three months ago. And what have I learned that I didn't know that I now know and can build upon. And that's the challenge that we all, we all have it. I mean, you're a psychopath if you don't. So I'd rather you have it and not be a psychopath, but we all have that resistance. But the real value, the real, the real difference between those who succeed and those who don't are the ones that learn how to manage it. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can manage it where you run from it um, both ways. You run from it and just avoid it, or you run from it by scaring yourself too much. And that's the only way you can be productive, which sucks. Because I know a lot of millionaires who are miserable because the only way they can continue to be productive is to scare the living shit out of themselves to get out of bed in the morning and keep producing, right? Um, they try or, or, to, or to spend themselves to the brink. Yeah. So that even yeah. if they're broke millionaires and they got to make another million to look. That's yeah, you're right. Like anytime they get a surplus of money, they let it let off the gas. Right. Uh, and so they got to continually spend money so they can continually push the gas. Or they take the money and they try to fill a hole emotionally that no amount of money could ever uh, fill. And I speak on all, all of these from personal experience. I learned these lessons the hard way. Uh, and those are ways to be motivated or you can learn how to motivate yourself a different way which is to me is the primary way I do what I do is I, I picture these people who need my help and I can give it to them. And if I don't give it to them, they continue to suffer. If I give it to them, they're grateful and I make a whole bunch of money. Uh, and, and that's what really gets me out of bed and that's what gets me excited and that's what gets me to continue to go. And so if you can, if you can approach with, with that mindset most of the time, no matter where you're at right now, how can I be useful? How can I contribute? How can I help other people without compromising my own personal mental health? That's the caveat. Yeah. Uh, I think entrepreneurialism is one of the greatest vehicles that's out there. Is it for everyone? No. But just like Picasso painted, right? Van Gogh made art. They did it because it called out to them. So if you have something in you that's calling out to you, to deny it is insane. We have to channel it. And the modern version of the warrior is the business person. Uh, the modern version of the philosopher is the entrepreneur. And so if that's calling out to you, I think, here we go. And it's it's also a way in which you can create wealth that is plus plus, not plus minus, where somebody wins and somebody else loses. Like in the financial markets, you essentially win because somebody else made a bad bet. Uh, but in these, we're exchanging an intangible value for a tangible amount of money. It allows you to create a win-win scenario if you do it right. Uh, if you do it the way that I want to do it or the way I want to teach, then I think it's the greatest thing ever. And yeah, so anybody listen, especially with your young, you have such a you have a massive advantage, and you don't even realize it yet because you're on the cutting edge. You're on the ground floor. Uh, guys like me, we we are very high up in the clouds and we're super strategic. But in every advantage, there's a disadvantage. We miss some of the steps. We miss some of the things on the trends on the day-to-day -day basis. And so if you're one step ahead of the market, there's a lot of people who will pay you to show them what that step is. And the most, the most effective person to teach them that is not me. It's the person who just found the step yesterday. That's you. Hey there, sorry to interrupt the show, but I just have a quick favor to ask. So we recently broke into the top 100 podcasts 
in the entrepreneurship category. We've been hovering around 75 and we're really trying to push up into like the top 20 and grow the impact of the show. So if you enjoy what we do here and you're a supporter, the biggest thing you could do to help would be to leave us a positive review. Uh, whatever platform you're listening on, you should be able to leave a quick review. Let the world know what you like about the show. Thank you so much for your time and uh, let's get back to it. Yeah, and, and, and it's hard because you, you do reach a point. You're talking a lot about social media and like your personal brand and as guys that have been doing it as long as we've done it and frankly, we've generated the dollars that we've generated, there's actually a relatability challenge. Like, like how do I teach a beginner how to do a thing that I've been doing for 15 years or, you know, whatever. And, and, and it is, and, and then that becomes its own art. I think that's why those YouTube videos are so popular where it's like, a master explains a thing at five different levels. Have you seen those videos? Oh, I like, love those videos. Th those are so cool because, because I think we instinctively recognize what a, what an insanely valuable skill that is to be able to translate an explanation into different levels of expertise. Um, you know, one thing I know we're about out of time, which is actually sort of shocking because this is just flown by. It's like, so, so fun. Um, just talking shop here, but, uh, you know, I think that one of the things that that people uh, appreciate is like examples, right? Like how to operationalize a thing we said. And I know that a lot of people, yep. again, we have these limiting beliefs. We create these stories about why such and such piece of wisdom applies to everybody else in the world, but it doesn't apply to me. So I'm, I thought maybe this just came to me, by the way, this isn't like a thing I do, but to kind of close us out here, I wondered what if we have like a speed round where we go back and forth and we're like, uh, you, you said that if you'll spend 16 hours researching something that like some reasonable number of people in the world might want to know the answer to, that just the, the compression of time and the curation of information is of tangible value that they'll pay for. Yep. What if we, get, what if we have a round back and forth where we're just like, let's just spitball ideas of like yep. things you could go research oh, yeah. to save somebody time. Absolutely. One That's not fun. Oh yeah, and and and, here, and I've done this uh, in the real world with real money, Jeff. Because yeah. here's how here's the litmus. Here's how you would really do it in the real world. You listen, and every time you hear complaints being voiced over and over again, constantly, ping. That should be the ping in your head that says, "I better go get some answers and put them together," because uh, that's where the money's going to be made. Isn't when people will complain about something over and over again in mass. That's your huge opportunity. And oftentimes they're very small complaints that big guys like me won't touch anymore because uh, it's only $10,000 for a couple hours. Of right. It's not enough money for us, but for most people, it's more money than they could ever imagine. So that's the answer. But yeah, let's- but it's Especially on a time basis, like, oh, 60 oh, yeah. hours plus maybe 40 hours, you know, work hard for a week to get this thing out. And then I made $10,000. Like most people have to work two or three months for $10,000. So- Yep. So, and, so and let's, yeah, but source, let's do some examples. Let's try it yeah, out. Yeah, you can source this stuff from your life. I'll start. I had a car wreck three weeks ago and my shoulder's been kind of screwed up and I think I want to get stem cells, but mm -hmm. I'm like, I've heard there's a difference between the stem cells you can get in America versus the stem cells you can get overseas. And like, I know Joe Rogan sent his mom to Panama, but like another buddy of mine went to Mexico. And like, if there was a product that was just like, here's the skinny on stem cell treatments. What's available in the U.S.? What's available overseas? Here are the different clinics. Here are the different countries. Here are the regulations. Here are the licenses. Here are the the passport requirements. Like I would literally go pay like a thousand dollars right now today for somebody to shorten my learning curve on where to go get my shoulder treated. 
Absolutely. Uh, I have a German shepherd, right? And ever since the pandemic, it's impossible to get him groomed. And, and because he was a rescue, I can't take him into a normal grooming place because all, all these other dogs will freak him out and he'll go crazy, right? And everybody thought it was a really damn good idea to get a dog during the lockdown. And as a result, I've called up so many mobile groomers, none of them. They even have voice messages now that says, we do not take on existing clients. We are new clients. And I'm like, how the heck do I find a groomer? If somebody put together a resource guide, especially with copy and paste emails and copy and paste phone scripts that I could just read word for word, uh, I would buy that product in a half of a second. And I know it sounds stupid and I know it sounds ridiculous and I don't know if there's enough of a market to create a product like that. But if somebody went around and did some research on all the different ways that you could convince a mobile uh, grooming service to take on your dog when they're supposedly already at capacity uh, and they had like a six-step process, I would totally buy that in a half of a second. Because my poor guy, he's looking hes looking a little raggedy now. <laughs> <laughs> and I ain't going to groom him, so. Um, okay, okay. Dude, this is so fun. So I got one for you. Right before, you mentioned the pandemic and it made me think. Okay, right before the pandemic, I told my son... Um, my son, he's 20 now. He was just turning 18 or 17. It was like, it was like, Hey, when you turn 18, I want to take a trip, you know, like father, son trip. And I was like, what do you want to do? And he wanted to go see the Northern lights, the Aurora Borealis. So I, I Googled it and I'm like, all right, we go to Iceland. We go to Finland. We go to Alaska. We go to the Yukon. We can go to Russia. Like there's all, and then, it, or we, I was like, what if we see the Southern lights? We go to Australia, New Zealand, uh, whatever. And then the pandemic. And so now it's like, dude, we need to do that trip. But there's a combination of two things. What is the best place to go see it? And also, what countries still have vaccination requirements and travel restrictions? Yep. So if somebody had a product right now, and again, this may be, maybe it's too niche, but you can, you can even start too niche and then you can broaden. So let's say if somebody had a product that's like the best, you know, here's this, here's the, the scoop, like eight different ways to go see the Northern requirements with an addendum for how to do it if you're not vaccinated. I'd be like, okay, sign me up for that. And then what if somebody said like, and as a bonus, you'll get our add-on for like, you know, five other world phenomenon, like the best place to go see geysers and the best place to go see a glacier and the best place to go see. And they just put together a travel guide of like cool stuff that you probably want to see somewhere on earth while you're alive filtered for if you're vaccinated or not, I would literally buy that because it's like, I'm going to spend like $20,000 on the experience yeah. with my son. I'll totally pay 500 bucks for somebody to tell me how to do it. Oh yeah. So it's a great lesson, by the way, think of the purchase that would happen before the 5,000 or 10,000 or $20,000 purchase. And if you're not ready to be the five or 10 or 20, be the thing in front of it that they'll mm -hmm. pay five or 10 or 20 bucks for. Um, Here's, here's a simple one from our market. I would pay a lot of money for the following is if somebody would go through all of the, the best winning ads right now in the digital marketing space and just pull out all the information and categorize it. These are the benefits that are being promises. These are the pains that they're, they're promising to solve. Uh, these are the issues that they're bringing up that they think are obstacles and challenges in everyday life. And so if you went around and you researched and you found some of the hottest converting products like now, and all you did was categorize all the emails and all the content into these different building blocks of these are the fears of the market right now that are being addressed in these ads. These are the benefits. 
these are the structures of the open ears. These are the closers. These are the guarantees. That would be something I'd be very happy to pay for. And I could do it and anybody could do it because all you're doing is taking publicly available information and you're not copying it. You're categorizing it, right? So you would say, these are the types of words that appear repeatedly over and over again. Now, here's the secret to this kind of stuff, Jeff. If you want to get into this business, this is how you get paid to learn what yes. you need to do in this business, right? And those are my favorite types of products. I always ask myself, if I want to learn how to do X, how do I get paid to learn how to do X? So if I have to go do the research to understand the market anyway, how can I get paid in order to do that? Uh, and you could sell that in mass, or you could even go to people. You could, you, could, you could pick 10 or 15 people that were higher ups in the market and said, I'm considering putting together this research for my own personal benefit. Now, because it's going to take me about 50 hours to do this research, I, and it's going to be valuable when it's done, I think, would you be interested in purchasing the results for this research to help me finance it so I could go out and do all this research? You would be one of 15 people that I would sell it to. Uh, I'm selling $1,000 a person. This is private research that only 15 people will ever see. Here's a little bit about what I'm going to be looking for. Are you interested? You would sell $15,000 of that stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Easily, than, more easily than you would think. And again, what are you doing there? It's publicly available information that anybody could go out and research and discover and figure out, but nobody is doing it because it wouldn't be worth it for any one person to attempt it. Yeah. But if there's enough of them out there, then yes, it would be totally worth it for you to attempt it. Because even if you got five of them to pay you $1,000, that's $5,000, man. That's yeah. a good chunk of change. And again, you become better as a result. You learn more yourself. You understand more what makes people tick, et cetera, et cetera. Well, and you've identified something where the value, it's like, well, why the hell would people pay 1000 or 5000 or $10,000? No. When you understand, there's people out there that spend $50,000 a day yep. on paid ads. Oh, yeah. There's so much leverage in that information that you just gave them. It could be, it, it could be worth a million dollars. You know, I had a client today. This is great, Jeff. So I have a consulting client and he's putting about 6,000 people on a week uh, that are registering for his webinar. And uh, he's got about 2,000 that show up uh, and he's spending about $25,000 on ads. It's, it's really cost efficient. It's kind of fascinating because he's like- 25K all... per, per webinar? Per week, yeah. And it's funny because he- he compared it to, he was like, well, so-and-so is, is getting, uh, they're selling five times as much as I am. And then we discovered they were spending five times as much right. as he was. So I'm like, yeah, that kind of, that kind of calculates out. Uh, we're going to compare apples to apples here, not apples to oranges. He's closing five times as many people as you are. So you can feel like he's five times better than you. But then when we apply the economics, he's the same. He's just spending five times as much as you are as well. Uh, so but my point on that was uh, for him, He's using Webinar Jam right now. And I am thoroughly convinced based on the, the particulars of his market and the way he runs his business that if he was to migrate over to Zoom, that he would instantly make a tremendous amount more of money. And it's not just him. Uh, all of these guys that he runs around with. I, I learned about all these guys, Jeff, because one of them bought my book and, and then built a million dollar webinar out of it. And then referred it to everybody else that's kind of ha that they hang out with in their network. And like 10 of these guys, young dudes, smart dudes, right? Mm -hmm. um, they're, they all built a million dollar webinar. Is this one to, one to many? 
Is that your uh, yeah, one, to many? one to many, right? Yeah, let's plug the book real quick. Yeah, let's plug the book, right? I'm serious. This this thing will set you back a whole $9.99 if you're going to buy the Kindle version uh, on Amazon or $19.99 if you're going to be a big spender. I, I got. I wrote I got the book. right here. Oh, yeah. no, you got it, man. That's right. So I wrote this book back in 2017. And, and to be cares. clear, it's actually my, I have my business partner's copy, right? Ah, you yeah. both got a copy, right? So I wrote this thing back in 2017 and nobody cared what it dropped. Uh, and then like four years later, it started picking up steam and now it's, it's selling more in 2023 than it's sold from 2017 to 2020. Uh, again, God bless the pandemic from that perspective. I wish the pandemic wouldn't have happened, of course, but uh, everybody was forced to go online and it really created this this demand for what I do, which is a lesson in and of itself. If you're willing to do it when the paycheck is small and it has potential, mm-hmm. occasionally when you do enough of those things, one of them will break through. It's happened three times in my life on three separate business ventures out of the hundred plus things I've done out there. So I always leave with value and occasionally one of them will break through and pay for everything. So these guys all traded my book around. So they're, they're all got a million dollar business. So they're all comparing each other to everybody else. And they're all running on webinar jam. And and, I, and I'm telling them, I said, you're going to have to go first, dude. Because uh, all of you guys are just kind of copying off each other's homework here. Uh, and I told them, I said, it's going to be really hard. Because the reason why people do webinar jam instead of Zoom is out of the box. Webinar jam is easier to set up. There's less moving pieces involved. Uh, it's it's simpler to get going. But it, they, they've essentially templatized the use case of a digital marketer with their platform. So you just kind of fill in your blanks. That's exactly right. Webinar Jam was built by marketers for marketers. Uh, you know, I know Andy, I knew Andy Jenkins, uh, rest in peace. Uh, I did consulting for him. Uh, we helped earlier on in the day. At one point in time, we had the, the biggest performing webinar that the guys who created Webinar Jam ever hosted. I don't know if that, I bet the record still stands to this day on that one. Zoom was created for meetings. And then as a byproduct, they decided to do webinars. So it's not the most user-friendly thing uh, to set up. And it, it's harder up front. Uh, now, we do all of our webinars in Zoom before we did them in GoToWebinar. Uh, and so I told him to, he's going to have to migrate to Zoom if he wants to up his numbers. It's one of the easiest ways he could up his numbers. But he doesn't know how to do that. If there was a guide out there. Oh, yeah. That painstakingly, step by step, like this is, again, this is stuff I wouldn't do, man. It would, it, I would rather freaking listen to nails on a chalkboard than sit down and document today, right. step by step, how to migrate from webinar jam to Zoom mm-hmm. and run webinars. If you're doing them over here, here's how it would look to do them over there. Cause it's so much little detail, right? Um, I don't want to think that way anymore. But when I started, that's how I thought. I did the dirty work that nobody wants to do. And so if you did that and you documented and you created that product, all you'd have to do is go out to everybody and their brother who's running Webinar Jam and offer them the ability to transfer them over to Zoom. If you really wanted to get sophisticated, if you wanted to shortcut this process, you would find one guy and offer to do it for free in exchange for a case study where you can document the results, you can document the growth, mm-hmm. he would give you an endorsement, and then he would open the door for you to talk to other people to do the same. And it wouldn't take very long before you would have a six-figure business. That would be a big business. It would so be a big business. You'd and how niched is it? It's hyper-niched, right? It's hyper-niched, but everyone in that niche has a lot riding on incremental oh, yeah. performance improvements of their thing. So, and yep. you think you do it for go to webinar, you do it for yep. 
webinar jam, you do it for yep. self seminar, you do it for ever webinar, and it's all of them. Whatever platform you're on, this is the agnostic migration guide to get you onto Zoom, which lowers consumer resistance. That's exactly right. And then you know what happens? You start working with clients that are spending twenty five thousand dollars a week, which is on the low end, quite frankly, for the clients that I know of. And when you get in there, you say, "Oh, by the way, you sell then- a migration service." Well, you all of a sudden have opportunities. When there's money moving like that, you can say, hey, listen, uh, this is what I said to the client today. Uh, I said, what is your indoctrination sequence? And I hate that word. It's just the vocabulary of the market. Indoctrination means what happens when they register for the webinar, but before they attend the webinar. Right. Uh, And he says, uh, we send mostly testimonials of other people and this and that. Uh, And and I, I gave him a little secret that almost nobody knows about the webinar business. I said, the mindset in which somebody shows up for the webinar largely determines whether they buy or not. Uh, so, so here's an example of what I mean by that. If a kid gets out of school and they had a really bad day at school and you pick them up, I got, I got kids. So I speak from experience. Uh, and you're like, Hey, how's it going? And then they're, they're not in a good mood And your cheer and your happiness is like a wet blanket on their existence. So they're, they're just like, leave me alone. You know, it has nothing to do with you. Uh, but they're not in a good mindset and they're going to meet you that way. So if you have your audience in a mindset that is hyper resistant to growth or something where they're overwhelmed or frazzled, they bring that into the webinar and that it will be hard to sell that person, even if it's the perfect person for the product and it's the perfect fit. So what you do pre-webinar, if they register, say two or three or whenever they register four days out for the webinar is as much as possible, you try to frame communication to put them in the most favorable mindset to be open to investing in a program if it's a right fit for them. And so I was explaining to him what kind of content that could be. And it's mostly stories based on things that you yourself have done in the past that are similar to where they're at right now. So so if you're, if you're selling to a market and you're selling a priced product that's uh, higher than what they're used to buying, uh, you should probably tell a story in advance of a period of time in your life when you bought a product that was significantly more expensive categorically than anything you've ever bought before in your life and what made you decide to do that. And that puts somebody in a state of mind of growth and the potential of growth in the face of adversity versus just ignoring the fact that there's adversity in their life. And I'm explaining to to him this and he, he was really excited about this and the ideas of how he could go and apply this. But now think of this as a business model. Um, if you were the copywriter who only did indoctrination sequences and nothing more, mm-hmm. you would fill up your demand for your services very quickly. And before you did wow. that, if all you did was go out there and research every indoctrination sequence for every big webinar going on right now and, re- and publish the findings, these are the types of emails that are being sent out. This is the structure of those emails. This is, this is the different techniques that are being used. And, and this is why it's so powerful based on the world's experts. So you don't even have to pretend you came to this conclusion. You can say the foremost figure uh, and authority on webinars, Mr. Jason Flavin once said on a podcast, the following, dot, 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 right? Uh, now you're, you're borrowing the credibility mm-hmm. and borrowing the, the proof and you're doing the research. And so it's like, your only limitation for getting rich in this business is the limitation you put on your creativity and your imagination. Yeah. So, so, so what you do is you do that migration guide <laughs> and then you hire some virtual assistants. You, you, you give them the guide. It's their operations manual. Yep. And then you 
you sell that as a like a fulfillment solution. Hey, yep. here's how you do the migration. But if you're if you're somebody that's spending, you know, we recommend if you're spending more than fifty thousand dollars a month on traffic to fill your web webinar, it's not worth your time to do the migration. So we have a ten thousand dollar done for you service that'll do it. And by yep. the way, once you've done it, we've proven that, or, or we believe we can double your conversions by rewriting your indoctrination sequence. Now you yep. built a product stack. That's a yep. seven figure. Like we literally just invented a multi million dollar easy. Easy. And, and if you're brand new, you're, you're damn right. Somebody's going to say to you, like, who are you? And here's how you answer that. You say, I'm brand new. So what I'm offering to you, I'm going to in the future be charging 5000 or $10,000 when I prove it out. But you got me when I'm brand new. So I'm willing to do it for peanuts. You barely have to pay me anything. What you really have to pay me in is implementation because I need your results to proof this concept to then go out and charge your competitors $10,000. <laughs> and by the way, if you're really bold, I'll do it for free. Do it for free. But I want 5% of the in the profit, the additional profits you generate above the baseline of where you're at when you when you get started. Yeah, or, uh, you know, I'd use this one too. Uh, pay me what you think I'm worth when it's done. Yeah. And you just got to get somebody somewhere to pay you some money, document it, and then trade it up. And, and when short order, you'll get under six or seven figures. As long as you can get a, a, around your own perception of your inabilities and your own self-imposed limitations, mm -hmm. that you're not good enough, that you're not worthy enough, that you're going to be a failure and that things are going to go wrong and bad things are going to happen to you if you try new stuff, right? You got to get away from that. So I, I actually like, I, I have a meeting I have to get to, which is really unfortunate because I'm like, dude, we could literally do this all night. Yeah. But another, th another first like fundamental principle I want to establish is we just illustrated the power of masterminding. Mm. We just created a seven figure business that neither of us have time for Yep. just because, but yep. also what if we, what if you created a product where you're like, well, I don't have the expertise to, to be, to, you know, meet somebody halfway who's an expert and do the mastermind. Okay. What if you interviewed 10 people yeah. who were oh, yeah. great at what they do and started the opening volley was, hey, I want to have a back and forth dialogue to talk our way into a seven-figure business idea. And I'm going to do that with 10 people and document the conversations and sell a booklet called 10 seven-figure business ideas from experts that haven't been done yet. Bingo. Dude. It's just like, yep. it's it, this, is, this is the essence of the entrepreneurial optimism, enthusiasm, the love of the game, the positivity, the abundance belief. There is so much of this crap out there. That yeah. Whatever, oh, yeah. whatever you believe about your own potential, your life is proving it out. Period. The end. That's right. Yep. And and sometimes you didn't re realize this was possible and somebody, until somebody switched it on. So hopefully yeah. we can be the light switch for you because you could take, say, for example, of a topic. So um, like dopamine's a hot topic right now in a lot of circles. So you could say, I listen to the top 50 podcast experts on dopamine. Here's what I discovered. And now you sell the notes of that for $6. Yep. And you say, listen, you don't have to buy this from me. You can spend 50 hours of listening to podcasts on this topic. And then you can spend an additional 22 hours to document, organize it and make it easy to access at a glance, just like that, where you pay me $6. <laughs> and then by the way, you target the audiences of those podcasters in your advertising. And yep. then you've now, you're now leveraging existing credibility and, and we could go on and on and on and on. And that was just a throwaway line that I said earlier about if you're willing to research something for 16 hours and charge it, 
This is the beauty of capitalism when done correctly is it's moving lower resources into a higher level of being. And that's why you deserve to get paid. And by the way, this, if you look up the original use case of the word entrepreneur and all the early places that it appeared in texts in the 18th and 19th centuries, this is what it means in economics. It is people that move resources and capital from less efficient means to more efficient means in the economy. This is entrepreneurial utility at its finest. By the way, if somebody takes that idea, I have an amazing podcast interview with Dr. Anna Lemke, the head of neuropsychiatry oh, wow. at Stanford about dopamine. So start with mine. <laughs> uh, Jason, dude, I'm having like way too much fun. This shouldn't, this shouldn't count as work. <laughs> um, hey, but before, but like I said, before we have to wrap, which again, I'm, I'm sad we have to do, how can the world go get more Jason Fladlin? Cause they're, they've got to be enticed by all this goodness. Yeah, they got to buy the book. Uh, I do got a freebie, though. If they go to 250webinar.com, I got something free for them over there. 250webinar.com? Yeah, and we call it 250 because I've actually sold over a quarter billion dollars worth of stuff on webinars. And I, I have a little framework. We break it down in the book. But this little placemat of these are the five things I do in the intro. This is how I structure content. These are the th three things that I do in the transition. This is my close stack of where I introduce the product, how I handle price, how I introduce bonuses, risk reversals, and call to actions, and so on and so forth. And so you can download that placemat for free that literally on one page, I show you my structure, the anatomy of a perfect webinar. And then I have an 18-minute video where I break it down and explain each component. Amazing. 250webinar.com. And then you mentioned that you're breaking ground on social media. Where do they go for that? Oh, I don't even know yet. <laughs> uh, YouTube is my my one love at this point in time. That's what I'm trying to build out right now. So you can find me on YouTube. Just uh, go to Google Jason Flavlin and subscribe to my YouTube. Yeah, everybody support his YouTube. As as somebody who's myself a, an incipient YouTuber, I've been at it for a few years and I'm fighting to get to 100,000. What's that? The, the silver play button or the gold? Oh, button? wow. I'm at 85,000 and it's been four years. Thanks. So- Nice. Yeah. Uh, kudos to you, man. I'm at 11,000 and I feel like I'm learning it one subscriber at a time. We, we, will, we will commiserate and mastermind about that separately, but I will say, go support Jason. It's it, every, every subscriber counts. Man, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for this value. I I have been enriched. I know the audience has. Dude, you're, you're, you don't need my superlatives, but you're a stud, so thank you. Hey, it's Jeff here. If you liked this episode of Unlock Your Potential, it would mean so much if you would like and share the episode on whatever platform you're listening or viewing on. And if you really like what we're doing here and you enjoy this podcast, please consider leaving a review. There is so much work that goes into these episodes and you leaving a positive review lets us know that that work is reaching people and especially it helps us reach other people. Your review could be the reason that someone else decides to tune in, check out this podcast and unlock their potential and ultimately level up the quality of their life. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your support and for listening, especially if you like or share or leave a review. Thank you for helping us spread the word and thank you for unlocking your potential to go make the world and your world a better place.